This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. The second reading comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, everyone and Happy New Year. We're going to pray in just a minute, but if you would grab that uh, sermon outline that you got on the way in the door, but also have the passage open in front of you. If you bought your own Bible, uh, that's, that's the optimum, uh, but it's there on the passage. Kylie just read it for us. So let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures, their precepts, promises, directions and light. In them may we learn of Christ, grasp his truth, and have grace to follow in his steps. Amen. Well, today I'm going to tell you what God's will is for your life. Uh, This Christmas, a friend gave me a book, uh, which uh, was a self-help book, and I'm a sucker for a self-help book. I haven't got round to Arnie's that uh, Tim's been reading quite yet, but this particular book, book opens with the question, what is the reason for your being? What is the reason for your being? Your raison d'etre, as we say. How would you answer that question, what the reason for your being is? It's a question that we as Western individualists find deeply disquieting. In a more ordered and hierarchical society, you don't get much choice about it, so you don't have to think about it much. You're born with a gender and a social class and that determines your purpose, your, the reason for your being. We rightly prefer our individual freedom to choose our own path in life, but with this freedom to choose comes the anxiety of having to discover our purpose in life for ourselves. And without a sense of direction a personal mission, we can easily feel lost and even despairing. Uh, The 20th century was famous for the philosophers uh, of existential angst, trying to probe this problem of meaning. One of the greatest of them is uh, Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor who went on to write the classic book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he saw, through his experience in Auschwitz, he saw that those who more often survived the horror of the concentration camps were those who had a clear sense of purpose beyond their situation. And so he said, he said many good things, but really interesting things, but he said this, 
Life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. He who has a why can bear almost any how. I think that's profound. I can testify from visiting people who are very, very sick, even to the point of death, that those who have a purpose, or who have had a purpose, who feel a sense of meaning in their lives, do it so much better, even in extreme personal physical suffering. If you have no why, then the hows of life simply crowd in. And so this morning I want to ask you, what is your why? Maybe you're at the beginning end of life, the beginning part of life, and you just don't know what to do. There's lots of choices, but none grab you. Or maybe it might be that you're in the middle or towards the end of life and your regrets and disappointments and failures have mounted up. Perhaps what you thought your life was going to be about wasn't what happened to you. Perhaps a relationship has broken down or a career has stalled or your body has let you down and limited your choices. Or maybe you've been reminded recently of the shortness of the days you have left and you're asking, well, what does it all boil down to? What will it all amount to in the end? Today we're going to hear that Christians have a very powerful why. We've been rescued by God from the dominion of darkness, from the place of lostness. And we're qualified, says Paul, to share in the kingdom of light, no longer enslaved to confusion and despair. We've now been given the freedom to fulfill his purpose for us. And that's what Paul unpacks in the passage we've got for us today in Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through to 14. I'm sorry, my outline has 9 through to 13. That's just an error. I don't want that to distract you. It goes all the way to 14. And he says this in a prayer that he prays for the Colossian Christians, those Christians in that town in Turkey that he had himself never visited. Uh, He thanks God for them. We saw last week their reputation for their godly life, had uh, their faith and their hope and their love had gone around the Mediterranean. It had reached him even though he was in prison. And then he says to them, I pray for you constantly. In fact, it's the first thing we should notice is how fervently Paul prays for these Christians. He gives thanks for them and then he prays, he says, continually for them. He hasn't stopped. And he's a great model of prayerfulness, Paul, the way he prays for others. And what does he pray for them? What he prays for them, well, he doesn't pray for them that they'd be prosperous or have a long and happy life. He doesn't pray that they'd be spared suffering and hardship. He prays for them that they might know God's will. Have a look at verse 9. He says there, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now, we'll unpack what Paul means by God's will a little bit later, but notice for now how the Colossians are to know God's will. He prays that they would know God's will, and how are they to know it? Will it come from libraries or test tubes or from nasal ga- navel gazing? Not nasal gazing, that's looking up your nose. That would be very difficult. Navel gazing from experts or from pundits. No, it comes from God himself. The mystery of God's purposes will be revealed by God himself. 
And that's what Paul prays after all, that God himself will fill you with the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of himself through the spirit of God. Heavenly wisdom, you see, it comes down from above. It's revealed, not discovered. We cannot on our own, in fact, discover God. We are spiritually incapable of that because of our sin. Our ability to understand the deep things of God has been corrupted. We can't do it. But God reveals himself to us, filling us with the knowledge of his will. Who can know the mind of God? It's hard to know the mind of another person. You might feel that about someone you live with. You never know what they're thinking. And it's hard to be a mind reader, isn't it? We can't see into someone else's mind. We have to ask them so that they tell us what they're thinking. Well, God is like that only more. He's fundamentally beyond us, fundamentally mysterious. Who could guess what God is thinking? But God reveals himself to us. How does he do that? Well, don't get thrown by the word spirit here and imagine that we're talking about an inner voice or a miraculous revelation in blinding light. For the Colossians, they remembered the revelation of God they'd had when Epaphras, Paul's friend, preached the gospel to them. He explained the message of Jesus Christ to them and they understood it. It was quite straightforward. Epaphras turned up, he spoke to them about Jesus, they understood it and Paul says... That was God revealing himself to you by the Holy Spirit. If you've understood that, then you've understood the will of God himself. God has revealed himself to you and the Spirit of God has been working in your heart. And that's why, as this wonderful prayer unfolds, Paul will take us to the great truths of what God has done for us. In verses 12 to 14, the end of our passage today, and then next week will point us to the one about whom that message is, Jesus Christ. And you must come next week because it's one of the great passages of the New Testament, Colossians 1, 15 through to 23. There are some of the most beautiful words, most marvellous words ever penned. So do look forward to that. But why do we need to know what God's will is? Because God's will will tell us what our why is will give us our purpose, our individual mission. And our why is packed into the verses that come next, verses 10 to 12. It is knowing God's will that shows us how to live a life worthy of the Lord, to be strengthened to endure, and to give thanks to the Father. To live a life worthy of the Lord, to be strengthened to endure, and to give thanks to the Father. Why does God reveal himself to us in Jesus Christ We have this knowledge so that we will live lives that are worthy of the Lord and that please him. See what Paul says uh, here in, uh, in verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light because he has a purpose for you. To become like Jesus Christ, to live to please him. So our question for ourselves every day is what will please the Lord? Am I living to please him? 
Am I living according to the purpose that I've been given, that's been revealed to me in Jesus Christ, whatever it is that I do? Am I producing the fruit of good works? And am I growing in the knowledge of God day by day? The more we know the riches of God's grace, the more our lives will produce this fruit, the more we'll find this purpose working itself out in us. That gives us our life's mission, to please God. That's what we're redeemed for. But how do we go when our life turns out not so well? Well, that's the second reason we want to know God's will. So that we can patiently endure whatever may come. In verse 11, we've been strengthened, says Paul, with the power of God himself so that we can persist in following him. How does this work? If we know God's will in Jesus Christ, we will know that our future belongs to him. He is our rock and our salvation. We are secure. John Lennon once sang in the middle 70s, he said, life's what happens when you're busy making other plans. Remember that line? And of course, uh, that line has more sadness to it because not long after he recorded those lines, life what happens, what's happened when you're busy making other plans, of course, his death cut short his life. Much to his surprise, that was not in the plan. And yet, if we know God's plan for us, then we can endure all things. As the song says, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. That's the second reason we are to know God's will, to be strengthened The third purpose for which we know God's will is so that we will give joyful thanks to the Father. The Christian life is to be a life marked by gratitude, by an awareness that you're not just lucky but blessed. That's why I I deliberately try and change my language so that I never use the word luck. I always use the word blessing. I don't count myself lucky but blessed. And I count my blessings I dress myself to my blessings because they come from the hand of God. Now, it's interesting to me that secular psychologists have worked out how good it is to be a thankful person. That if you are a grateful person, then you'll be less mean, you'll be more generous, you'll be happier, you'll live longer. The benefits of gratitude are many, which is why they're making your kids, if you've got them, fill out gratitude journals as part of their well-being programs at schools these days, which of course will make kids not want to do it. You know how it is. But if you don't believe in God, then who are you thanking? Your lucky stars? The universe? It seems incoherent to thank no one. But Christians, knowing the will of God in Christ Jesus, have reason to thank God joyfully. I wonder if you're a person who gives thanks daily for what you've received Do you thank him? Why not try it? If Christians were more joyfully thankful, then we would not know meanness among us, would we? It's impossible. If you thank, if you are grateful, if your your life is marked by thankfulness, then it's impossible to be a grumpy person. It's impossible to become that curmudgeonly person that no one wants to talk to. I think the secular psychologists are right has marked impact on us, and it does because it's actually true. And we hear 
that in what Paul says about why we should joyfully thank the Father in verses 12 to 14. Why should we thank him? Because we've been qualified to share in the inheritance of his people, in the kingdom of light. We've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of Jesus, the Son whom he loves. We have redemption, which means the forgiveness of our sins. We know that a great rescue has taken place. We know that on the cross where Jesus died, where he was crucified for us, that all that stands against us has been removed. We know that by nature, that even though by nature we are not citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that now we have been given the passport, not because of things we have done, but because of the extraordinary grace of God, the amazing grace, as we sung earlier. We know that we've been moved from the realm of death and despair and destruction into this new realm, the one in which Jesus reigns, the kingdom of light and life. We're no longer lost and without hope in the world, no longer alienated from the one who made us, but now reconciled to him. We now have an identity. We don't have to construct an identity for ourselves out of our CVs, out of our track records, that fragile sense of self that we build around us. But now we have an identity given to us which comes with a new purpose. And this circles back to the beginning of the prayer What is the will of of God for us, given to us by the Spirit? It's the news that, in Jesus Christ, we've been brought out of darkness into his marvellous light. The more we are filled with that knowledge, the more it will produce in us works that are fully pleasing to him and the strength to endure, come what may, and joyful thanks to the Father. The more we come again and again to the death of Jesus for us and his new life in the resurrection, the more we will become like him. <coughs> um, can we just my, my water bottles? Grab that for me, thanks. <coughs> Pardon me. So, what is God's will for your life? Okay. He wants you to play your part in his purposes for the whole world. He's inviting you to share in his plans and purposes. He wants you to live a life that bears fruit in good works, that endures everything in faith, and that gives joyful thanks to him. Thank you. That's why he's revealed Jesus Christ to you. Now, you might be a bit disappointed here, because I promised a lot at the beginning. I said, I'm going to tell you God's will for your life, and that sounded exciting. That sounded like you were going to get an individual plan and purpose for your life which would take a long time, I have to say, but maybe you were were hoping for me to tell you who you should marry or what career you might have or at least who's going to win the third at Randwick next Saturday. We'd like God to give us a particular will for our particular lives. And sometimes there are religious and non-religious gurus who claim to be able to tell you this. Years ago, I heard the story, doubtless apocryphal, of a friend of a friend, you know, it's one of those stories, who was asking the question of her own life, what should she do with her life? So she was in a quandary of what to do with herself. She tried a couple of careers. They hadn't seemed to fit. So she grabbed the Bible, shut her eyes. Have you ever tried this? Flipped it open to a random page and pointed her finger. And the verse that her finger landed on was 1 Corinthians 12, 28, which says, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. 
So she went and became a primary school teacher. The mind boggles as to what would have happened if her finger had landed somewhere else in the Bible. She could easily have got tax collector, shepherd or fisherman instead. But this is not what Paul is praying for here when he prays that we would know God's will. To know God's will is to know that he has called you into the kingdom of the son he loves, that you might live a life fully pleasing to him, whatever it is you do. This doesn't tell you whether you are to be a doctor or a lawyer, whether to marry him or her, but something far, far better. What we have been given instead is our deepest why. We know why we've been made and why we've been redeemed, to please him in everything. But what about those important moments of decision? Surely it's not wrong to know what God would have me do when it comes to those. No, I think it's a really good thing to want to make decisions in line with God's will. But we need to see the bigger picture. God's promise is not to tell us whether we're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. It's funny, isn't it, that God only ever tells people they're going to be doctors and lawyers. There are professions he doesn't seem to tell people that, you know, street sweepers and garbage collectors. He doesn't seem to call people to those. We don't... That's not his promise that he'll tell us whether we're going to be butchers or bakers or candlestick makers. But... He does tell us, he does tell us that his will for us is that we be one of his called ones, that we act like we belong to the kingdom of light, that we please him in every way, that we are one of those he has rescued. And so that's the question we bring to any of our other questions. How can I please him in every way? What does it mean for me in my situation to live as one who is subject of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Jesus says to us, do not worry, saying what we shall eat and what shall we drink or what shall we we wear. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And we don't live in a subsistence economy where the things that worry us are whether we shall eat or drink or what we shall wear so much. So our anxious questions are of a different nature. Our anxious questions are, what will I do? What will become of me? What will my legacy be? What will it all mean? What will my life amount to? But Jesus tells us the same thing. Seek first my kingdom and the way of living in it that I've shown you. And all of those other questions will fall into place behind them. This is the purpose of your life. This is what you've been made for. This is what God has redeemed you for by the blood of Jesus Christ. Will you embrace it? If you're feeling empty, know that you can be full. If you feel lost, know that you are found. If you feel directionless, know that you have in Christ a profound purpose given to you and revealed to you in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So pray this prayer for yourself and for others too. That you, that we, that they would be filled with the knowledge of the plans and purposes of God in Jesus Christ, to lead a life fully pleasing to him, strengthened with his power to endure, and full of joyful thanks to the Father. Let's pray that for for one another now. Lord God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to fill us with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that we might live lives worthy of you 
and please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that we might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.